0: What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey, it's another New Vision Podcast. Cloud with you here. We are in Hebrews chapter 10. And for those of you who have been following along with us, you kind of know the deal. Uh, but maybe you never know this might be someone's first podcast. It could always be the case. And so for you, if you're joining us for the first time, what we're doing is we're in Hebrews chapter 10. but that is because we're uh, this is a companion podcast to go along with a sermon series. Maybe you heard about that on a Sunday morning, Thursday evening. And so we are tracking along, we're trying to go through verse by verse through the whole book of Hebrews, maybe get to some things that we haven't been able to do in the normal sermons. And so here we are picking up chapter 10, I've signed up for verses one through seven, I'm just going to read it, we'll, we'll kind of give a little backstory, then I'm going to read it again, and then we'll, we'll do the application and, and, and you know explanation, that kind of thing. So here we are, Hebrews chapter 10, this is the ESV Bible, and this is one through seven. Uh, I'll read it here here in a second, but just a little background, kind of what he's, we're starting off in chapter 10. Hopefully you go back and listen to some of those podcasts or, or especially read it for yourself because, you know, the way this is written in Greek, sometimes you're like, wait, this is a new clause? Oh, he's saying, okay, so this is attached to that and I kind of have to know what he's talking about. So it's really hard to jump in, you know, kind of mid-argument, but let's look at uh, chapter 10, verse 1. He says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. So these realities, there we go. All of a sudden, verse one, he's talking about, hey, my argument up until this point, these realities, in other words, Everything that we've heard of prior to this, so previously he's talked about how Jesus is greater than the tabernacle. He's talked about how Jesus is, he inaugurated the new covenant, which is greater than the old covenant. He's talked about, you know, progress and security. He's talked about how Jesus is the greater high priest. And so he's talking about these realities, this big argument that he's making that Jesus is greater than these Jews who are, who are tempted to go back to the old ways that are really against how Christ has come to set up the new way that God relates to his people. And so here we go. All of a sudden, verse 10, he's talking about these realities. Okay, that those things that I've been talking about, they're a shadow of the good things to come. Okay, back in verse 1, he's talking about the sacrifices are continually offered year by year, those who make perfect. So, in other words, he's saying, if you all are tempted to go back to this Old Testament way, this old covenant sacrificial system, and, you know, in the synagogues and, and that kind of a thing the day of atonement when the high priest would enter the holy of holies with the sin offering his own sin offering that that kind of a thing we've kind of we've seen some of that uh, in the previous podcast but if y'all are so tempted to go back to that and you will not be compelled by this argument Jesus is greater than that that he's the perfect sacrifice that he's the perfect you know heavenly synagogue he's he's in heaven interceding for you at the right hand of the father then why can't you see the inadequacies of what you're claiming to hold on to—that's so so good. And if you think about it logically, in and of itself, not even comparing to Christ, it doesn't even make sense. So it's like, wait a second, if if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, then it's not perfect, is it? Because otherwise, at verse two, they would have ceased to be offered. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you keep having to do that over and over and over again. How's that working out for you? Obviously, these sacrifices aren't sufficient enough because you keep having to go every year. So obviously, it's not fully covering you. It's not a one and done thing like Jesus was. Jesus was the greater sacrifice, which we saw previously. And we're going to see even more in chapter 10. And so it's, I don't know, have you ever met somebody and they they keep doing the same thing over and over again? And you're like, uh, okay, I'm trying to be nice here, but like that's not working. Like, And they're like, no, but I, I really like this way. And I like doing it this way. We've always done it this way. And you're uh okay, well, how's that working out for you? You know, it's hard to get someone to see that. And so here in verse two, the authors, he's, he's making just a plain and simple argument. Okay. And then later on, the temple is destroyed in 70 AD and Jews don't even do that anymore. There's no animal sacrifices. And so obviously, the old covenant is insufficient in and of itself. And pretty much everybody realizes that nowadays. Okay. So verse three, we're going to move on. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Okay. It's impossible. So then why did God command that? That's in Exodus 24, God's the one that set up that system. So why is that? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Verse five, consequently, When Christ came in the world, he said, so Christ is speaking here, this is pre-incarnate Christ, quote, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written for me in the scroll of the book. And so immediately coming out of that, we see Jesus, he's speaking, he's quoting, but that's actually, he's quoting David and he's giving it this new context to it, which is pretty amazing. But this should be again nothing new for these uh, these converted Jews, because even in their old Old Testament Scripture, we see this over and over again. The same argument, you know, we we see De- of course David's: "You do not insa- delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise." There's Psalm fifty-one, verse sixteen, you know. And then Samuel says to King Saul in First Samuel fifteen. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord's voice? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And then, you know, Jeremiah in verse, in chapter 7, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty of God, the God of Israel says, go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. It's, it says this over again, Hosea chapter 6, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And then Amos, this is a pretty famous text, I hate. I despise your religious feast. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring your choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard of them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. It goes on and on. I could quote. There's all sorts of stuff in the Old Testament that points to the point that the Hebrew, author of Hebrews is making again right here. And then he's quoting Christ, quoting David, saying something very similar. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you, tap, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Christ is saying, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written for me in the scroll of the book. And he's talking about how, quote, you know, but a body you have prepared for me. So Jesus is like, no, I'm going to be that perfect sacrifice. I'm going to be the the one and done, the perfect sacrifice that you don't have to continually do these every year. This is going to be it. And, and the audience, why would you want to go back to that? Even the Old Testament authors point that out. Why would you go back to that? And so obviously there's this kind of big glaring, well, I don't understand if this is talking about so much in the Old Testament, and here we see it again in Hebrews, over and over again, like God does not delight in sacrifice and offerings, then why on earth did he command it in the first place? Because he did. In Exodus 24, we see that God sets up the tabernacle, sets up the all, all the commands and the ritual sacrifices and all that. That's God told them to do that. But they missed probably the most important part of that. It was the fact that, hey, obeying, this was meant to point to something all along. You can't just have part of what this was intended for. I was trying to think about how to illustrate this. And I remembered, I have a good friend of mine. Um, he, he's married, has two young kids, has two dogs. They've had these dogs for a really long time. And, you know, the kids love the dogs. It's this the happy family, that whole thing. Well, long story short, you know, during the night sometime, everybody's asleep, one of their dogs passed away and was just lying there. And so my buddy had this decision to make. He's, he's thinking, you know, how am I going to deal with this? You know, so instead of doing the, hey, you know, uh, your doggy, He's he ran away, he's on a farm, he's going to be happy. Everything's been like kind of coddling, maybe doing that kind of lie type type deal to, to really, you know, safeguard his children from understanding the, the reality of this. What he decided um, was that he would teach them about death and that he would, hey, th- this happened, you know, explain death to them. And he actually had them help uh, bury this dog. Um, and and so they they were crying and participated in that and, and really he helped to get them to to understand that to grapple with that even at their young age and to process those emotions and dealing with death and. If that's not your, hey, if you're a parent and you, sorry, if your kids are listening, you're like, that's not your deal and you're upset about, hey, feel free to email someone else. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm just saying that this is my friend. He made this decision about how he would raise his kids in that way when his dogs died, his dog died. And so uh, I think that was a pretty good illustration for why God set up... This Old Testament ritual sacrificial system, there's all sorts of reasons, but in this case in particular, when we see this huge argument being made, hey, I do not delight in sacrifice, I do not, well, then why'd you set it up in the first place? Well, it's because what was went along with that was the contrite heart, the brokenness of sin, understanding why this needed to take place. It's not permanent. I don't think God delights in slitting the throat of animals, but He does delight in a broken heart—one that says, "God, this something like this is necessary. This points to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, Your own Son. And this is my heart is broken over my sin. I'm, I grieve that this blood is necessary; that all sin requires a payment in blood. And my heart is broken, and I, I, I grieve. And I've, i please forgive me, Father. And so that's a world of difference from. You know, just doing it for the sake of doing it and, and treating it like, a yeah, 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 you know, whatever. And uh, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God. Oh, please forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. You know, and it's just like this repetitive thing. It's not an end of it in and of itself. It was meant to point to something. And there's the, the whole thing that went along with it. And so I, I know maybe the, all illustrations fall through at some point, but I hope that helps. Uh, see as like, well, why did God command that in the first place? Well, because there's something bigger going on. And here in in Hebrews chapter 10, in this last verse, and we'll close out, you know, Jesus, he's quoting again, and he says, sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. You know, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And so, thank God, this is what we have been looking for all along. This is what all those animal sacrifices pointed to, the fact that, we can't obey, but look, now Jesus obeyed perfectly. He lived a sinless and perfect life. He's a spotless animal without blemish, God's perfect son, and he died for us. He put himself on the cross and was that sacrifice for our sins. That is powerful. This argument from the author of Hebrews is compelling to me as to why we should not be looking to those. Now, <laughs> application. Okay, so what, Cloud? You know, I've, I've listened to all this. I'm not really jazzed about going and cutting the throats of the goats in my neighbor's backyard. I mean, like here in 2021, probably none of us, I hopefully none of us are like, you know, I really want to go back to to the Old Testament covenant. I want to, I want to do some, you know, ritual cleansing. I'd like to slit a throat of a, a donkey, maybe slit a throat of a goat, something like that. I think that's really what my my spiritual life is missing. You know, <laughs> none of us are doing that. Okay. But what in our lives are we doing similar to that? Uh, what are the old things that we're going back to? Maybe you are a Christian and you're tempted like these converted Jews and the author of the Hebrews is speaking to. Maybe you are tempted to do something like that. And I honestly think all of us are tempted to do something like that. It, it takes place within our heart. And so, hey, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but... If I wake up early enough and pray enough and do enough Bible study, I'll, I'll assuage this guilt and uh, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me. You know, like that that heart that's just not settled in, that's wanting to go back to the old way of us having something to do with, quote, atoning for our own sins. There's a myriad of ways that we do that in our own hearts and our own lives. And so I think that's really where the application hits home with these short verses. I hope that the Holy Spirit is illuminating these words of Scripture for yourself that you're studying, and we will see you guys tomorrow, and I hope you have a great day.